Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. I'm Tyler Tischlar, Associate Editor of Reader Views. And I'm Victor Volkman from Loving Healing Press in Ann Arbor, Michigan. It's July 12, 2007, and welcome to episode number 33 in our series. Tonight's topic is writing great sci-fi and fantasy books, and our special guest joining us this hour is Bob Sanders of Mundania Press. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. A couple of announcements before we get started this evening. First, we're proud to announce that there is a new audio streaming player available directly at authorsaccess.com. Just click on audio streaming, the tab on the left, and the podcast will begin to play without you having to download the whole thing first. Additionally, this week on authorsairwaves.com, we have we have an interview with author David W. Powell talking about his combat experience in the Vietnam era and his post-traumatic stress disorder that resulted for nearly two decades following that, and his remarkable recovery and return to society. That's David W. Powell on authorsairwaves.com this week. Now tonight we're on the line with Bob Sanders, who is co-founder and CEO of Mundania Press, a publisher that selects books based on the quality of writing, story, entertainment value, and sales potential. The press encourages first-time authors as well as those who have been previously published and want to put their books back in print. Mundania currently publishes works of science fiction, fantasy, romance, horror, and historical fiction. That website again is mundania.com, spelled M-U-N-D-A-N-I-A.com. And also with me this week is special guest co-host Tyler Tischler who has just published the third book in the Marquette Trilogy, entitled Superior Heritage. You can learn more about his books on MarquetteFiction.com. Now we're going to go to this week's special guest, Bob Sanders. Good evening to you, Bob. Hi, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. Well, we're thrilled to have you, Bob. We um, haven't had anybody on the show yet who's been here to talk to us about science fiction and fantasy. Um, but before we get into that, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about um, Mundania Press. I know it's only been in business for about five years now, and could you maybe just tell us a little bit about how it went about getting started and specifically what its interest is in science fiction and fantasy? Well, fantastic, sure. Mundania Press was started in uh, 2002, so uh, actually next month uh, it'll be uh, five years old. Um, and uh, the uh, co-founder and my best friend is Dan Ritz. Uh, we're kind of lifelong friends together. Um, we knew Piers Anthony uh, a long time ago, and uh, he wanted some uh, his, of his work put back into print. So outside of Tor, we're actually his largest publisher, and uh, we've got a number of books um, by Piers Anthony, uh, some new series as well as uh, republishing some, some older works. And we formed uh, Mundania Press around uh, one of his books for that, uh, Pornucopia, which was, uh, has, a, has a very long and unique history in and of itself. Uh, we had so much fun doing that that we decided uh, we would go ahead and keep publishing. And to that end, uh, we both come from uh, software development backgrounds. I'm a project manager, a software engineer, and we've just had a lot of fun doing this, and it's kind of snowballed from there. So uh, we have a lot of fun. We, we both are uh, science fiction fantasy fans, 
Uh, the bulk of the books that, that we uh, accept and publish are, are in that genre, although we do take uh, books from all, all across uh, all genre, with the exception of poetry and fiction. Great. I see, too, from your website that you're actually pretty busy, that you're not even right at this moment accepting submissions, not again until I think um, it's at around Christmas time. That's um, correct. So that, that's wonderful. It looks like the business is really flourishing. Um, yeah. You mentioned Piers Anthony, which is a you know a huge name in the fantasy and science fiction world. Could you tell us a little bit about how you go about marketing your books as opposed to, say, larger publishers or, or why an author would want to be published by Mundania Books rather than right. one of the larger, better-known fantasy and science fiction publishers? Sure. Well, um, I'll take I'll take the last piece and work backwards from there. <laughs> um, the the reason why small presses exist is uh, if you try to go straight off to a tour, it's possible. I've known some very good authors to get published that way, but more more often than not, tour is going to be looking for submissions from agents, and uh, so that, that if you're an author, that's going to to make your quest. Um, that much more difficult because you're going to need to find a, an agent to represent you and then that agent is going to need to shop uh, your material to different publishers and whatnot. And again, um, I think that's a fine business model. But one of the other alternatives are small presses like ourselves where an author can deal directly with us and we do deal with agents. Um, you know, we enjoy that, that relationship very much as well. And it gives them a chance to actually see it from uh, a different view and what the expectations are. My, as, a, as a publisher, when you, when you touched on, hey, you know, what do you do as a publisher for an author? One of the things that I make very clear to our authors that, that come with us is I always sit down and I try to talk to as many of them personally as possible, try to block some time out and do kind of either um, half an hour to an hour introductory call and sit down with, uh, with them and, and uh, go through their expectations. So I also offer an um, author's manual that details a lot of this material as well. One of the things that we do is we say, look, who is your target audience, if you will? Who are you trying to read? And they say, oh, well, the fan, the reader, um, that, that's who it is. And I go, that's right. Now, as a publisher, who's my target audience? Who am I trying to reach? Well, you're trying to reach the, the same fan. And I go, well, ultimately, yes, but no, not really. Directly, I'm looking to reach the distribution channel. I'm looking to reach that book buyer that's going to buy the books through the distribution channel from us and put it on the store shelf where your fans can come in and buy and, and, and have the material available to them. So to put it in a nutshell, the cash register is the center point. As the publisher, it's my job to create a quality work that, that we're proud to put our name on and get it to the cash register, and we rely heavily um, on the author to create that demand so that their fans will go in there and buy the material through the cash register. <laughs> and so in working hand-in-hand, hand, I really think that, that we can kind of prep um, you know, novice authors, more experienced authors um, to do that. Now, our business model is a little different. If you go to our website, you'll notice that uh, we don't have just new authors. We have quite a lot of recognizable names, Ann Loxton, Don Callender, Louise Cooper, um, Piers Anthony, and one of the reasons why the, um, those named, named brand, if you will, um, authors go with us is because it's their way of giving back. Um, there's really a value when somebody can sit there and say, I'm published by the same publishing house as um, Piers Anthony or an Ann Logston or Louise Cooper. 
Um, and that really does give them clout in the industry. And everything in the, in the publishing industry that's author-centric really boils down to one thing. Can you um, create and maintain a fan base that will allow you to do repeatable sales? I mean, quality material is number one. Presentation of that quality material has to go hand-in-hand, but ultimately it's your fans and and how well those fans are going to support you is going to make all the difference in the world. And and that's really a focus in today's market than, let's say, 20 years ago. Well, I'm I'm really impressed by how personal you are with your authors then and, and trying to really help them get started out, and that's, I don't think that's something that they would find at one of the larger publishing houses. Mm-hmm. And obviously you want to have quality work that comes in to be published. What sort of qualities are you looking for in science fiction and fantasy books when they're sent to you? Well, what we do is we kind of have a unique process. Uh, we accept very few, uh, even when our submissions are open, because as you mentioned earlier, our submissions are closed until the end of the year. But when they are open, it goes through a very stringent process where we actually have a number of uh, editors uh, look at the material. And some of the editors uh, are not really, uh, they're not, um, how can, what's a nice way to say it? Science fiction and fantasy are not their primary genre that we ask them to edit and, and review. And the reason why we do that is if you can grab that person's attention and move along with it, that's great. And, of course, we also have it reviewed by people who that's what they love to, to review. Um, so in doing so, we kind of get um, both sides of it. Does it tell a solid story from a science fiction fantasy standpoint, and is it well written? Now, a good example would be one of the, the books that we put up there is Radiation Angels. It's a hard science fiction book, and when uh, we, we looked at that, um, one of the editors that was looking at that loved that hard science fiction. And, but as, as you and I know, not everybody who loves science fiction is going to love that hard science fiction aspect of it. And so, you know, again, we had that looked at, does it tell a compelling story? And it does. It's got a lot of drama to it. And I uh, like how, it, uh, how that material carries through with it. Yeah, Bob, you mentioned repeatable business. That's a very interesting subject. How important is it for me as a new author to think in terms of a series, or should I wait until I have a few more titles under my belt? Well, I write, I write an article called uh, How to Get a Publisher to Say Yes, and that's one of the things that I really look at. Uh, in today's market, we all know it's very, very competitive, and it's always been very competitive. It's not something that's happened recently. Yeah. But one of the things that I tell people that if you really want to get a leg up, what you want to do is you want to, give, you want to take away no's from a publisher so that all they have left is yes. And one of those elements are, look, instead of saying, hey, I want you to publish my work, look at it as if you're going to go to a banker and borrow money, because that's what you're asking a publisher to do is invest financially in your work. And when you do that and you pitch a series on your first try, what you're basically saying is, I don't want to just buy, um, borrow $1,000. I want to borrow $3,000 or three times the amount or four times the amount, and you're asking a publisher to, to invest higher in, in, in your product. Yeah. And unless you have uh, something to be able to pull that back on and say, hey, I have a, a group of business, uh, i.e. customers or fans, and you know these are my average sales, and you have nothing to show for that, it's very, very difficult to break in the first time with a series like that. No matter how great the series is um, or, or how well-written or well-thought-out, that's not really the issue at that point. Um, one of the things that I tell authors is I say, look, as a publisher, I have to learn to speak creative speak, and that means I have to respect your work. 
I have to try to respect what was in your head at the time you wrote that and really look at that as a sacred thing and represent it well. Because when I'm talking to book buyers, that's what I am, is I'm an author's representative at that point. Now, at the same time, when you turn that coin over, the authors have to look at this as a business. We're in it to make money, and there's a certain give and take with that. Um, so to that end, we look to them to do the marketing for the reasons that I talked about earlier. And so they, they've got to respect that and get in, in their, their head around that. Yeah, well, that was uh, quite an eye-opener. Uh, <laughs> I remember in the old, old days, at least when I was growing up as a kid, the conventional wisdom was uh, to start out in short stories and try and get into the short story monthlies mm-hmm. and then sort of work your way up into a novel. Does that approach make any sense in today's world? It does, and one of the things Mundania Press is looking to do um, is right now with the with the advent of the electronic marketplace, uh, we're looking to take short stories and we're and we're we're looking for a way to actually get that out in an electronic format that is going to be able to do so that that kind of old school technique will be made available today. So you do you anything that you can do to to practice your craft has to be first and foremost, but also in today's world, which is something that wasn't happening 20 and 25 years ago is the the um, the publisher would would go out there and say, look, there's a lot of uh, audience for our books. Now um, they understand that authors can come and go and their customers come and go with them, i.e. their fans come and go with them. So Stephen King, whether he's published by a Tor or Simon & Schuster or wherever he's published, he's going to have a certain fan base that travels with him. So uh, my, my best advice to give to young authors is not only focus on your writing and getting published, but also focus on sharpening your market. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be very honest. Um, the author Harry Potter, um, she can she can pretty much do what she likes because she has a repeatable fan base that will follow her very loyally, oh, yeah. and that gives her clout in this marketplace. Exactly. What kind of things can an author in say science fiction or fantasy genres do to make themselves uh, marketable. I mean, after the book is published, do you, you know, visit the the science fiction conventions, or what's the most effective use of my time? Okay, I'm glad you asked that. One of the things that I advocate, you said, hey, when the book comes out, I'm a big fan of cultivating your fan base before your book comes out. Let me give you a good example. I, I call this writing for your audience and not for yourself. Huh. If you go out and your audience and, and science fiction and fantasy genre is good for this, if you go out there and say, I personally don't like happily ever afters, but there are people out there that do. And if I'm writing, um, let's say Elric is, is a wonderful anti-hero. Oh, yeah. Okay? I love Elric. Yeah. But I know an anti-hero may not be, uh, again, a hot seller because of that. That's a niche market. Well, if I'm trying to break into the business, I really shouldn't be trying my hand reaching a niche market. I should be trying to reach as mid-broad-based as I can. Once I get established, then I have some creative control. Then I can go out there and do that. And again, your publisher will support you if you can show them you can deliver a, a, a consistent fan base. If you can deliver consistent sales, they're going to be begging you for that series. They're going to be begging you to write something. That's when you can come out and say, hey, I've got this, this issue. It might only appeal to a niche market. I don't care. I'll take it. That's great. And that's how, you, that's how you get into that. So before it even happens, research your market. One of the things that I do is I say, just like uh, as an author, you know your main characters. 
me. You can get up in their head, and if I said, introduce me to your main character in your story, they can draw me a picture um, verbally where I feel like I know the person. You have to know your client, your, your target fan that way as well. And, you, you know, one of the things, the nice thing about websites is you can actually have some personal interaction without being personally interactive, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Somebody can send you an email. You can reply back to it. And that person feels like, oh, man, I've been touched by somebody. This is great stuff. So before that even comes out there, find out what the demographics is. How old is your target? Um, you know, what are they married? What kind of disposable income? What kind of books are they currently reading? What kind of magazines? If you do that kind of work ahead of time, when you go to market, you're already going to know where they live and work and play and so forth. And it makes marketing so much easier at that point. Bob, I wanted to go back a little bit to what you were saying a couple minutes ago about the genres themselves. Are you saying that, like, for a first-time writer, they should stick to what are maybe the basic themes or elements of the genre and not, um, you know, maybe stay formulaic rather than trying to, I guess, play off of or spin off of the genre into, you know, newer fields? Well, I think that's a good question. I think that's where the creative balance has to be written. If your stuff looks like everybody else, how can you stand out in a crowd? And so I respect that quite a bit. But at the same time, this goes back to more research. Just like you research the world that you're in and you have to create believable physics in a fantasy setting um, and be consistent with that, you also have to turn around and, and understand how that all uh, fits together um, from a publisher standpoint. When you roll that material out there, in other words, you'll come to me and I'll, and I'll ask you, well, what genre is this going to be? And what I'm really asking is who is this going to appeal to? And you need to match your work up with that publisher. So you need to go out there and do your research. And I'll give you a good example that happened with Mundania Press. Uh, Helen Steiner Rice um, is a is, um, very famous poet. Um, writes a lot of Christian poetry. Uh, her, her foundation is based here in Cincinnati, and we were actually contacted by them to represent the work. We had to take a long, hard look at that as far as um, in comparison with our business. Would it make sense to publish Christian poetry when we have a lot of science fiction, fantasy-based material that probably won't appeal to that clientele that likes Christian poetry? And how will, how will that play into all of our other material and so on? So we had to turn around and say, well, no, we don't think that's a good fit for our business model. I encourage authors to do the same thing, not just shotgun your work out, but, but do some research on the publishers that, that handle science fiction. You know, and don't be afraid to ask them, hey, you know, how, who do you reach? Who is your target audience? You know, and and how, is, how is your distribution? Um, you know, what kind of sales are you looking at and that kind of thing? Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me, especially, um, I mean, you, you're creating a brand for yourself as a publisher, and you want to make sure that your customers aren't confused about what your products are. Um, well, when, when you say that, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. When you say creating okay. a brand, that's exactly what an author should do, is they should create themselves like a brand. Because, again, in today's market, especially in the small press world and, and authors breaking in, um, they have a lot of stories to tell, and they may not all fit with one publisher, but the fans will all be looking for that author. So creating themselves, having a persona that fits in with that, respecting who their, who their fans are. Uh, we've all heard stories of a, of a famous actor or actress that kind of brushes off their fans. 
know, those people aren't don't, don't go very far. So, you know, when, when you create this persona, you do it for a variety of reasons, but you also are, that's part of giving your audience what they expect. If I'm, you know, uh, kind of, um, if, uh, Lemony Snicket's a, a good thing for this. He, he writes offbeat material, and he lives the part. <laughs> now, whether that's really him or his persona, I don't know, but it's perfect for the material he writes, <laughs> you know. So I, I think that that's, that has to go hand-in-hand hand with your material, and it's part of your marketing. So how do you feel about, say, authors that want to um, blend different types of books together? Like, for example, say they want to write a historical piece of fiction. They want to set in very, very detailed, maybe 13th century England, but then they also want to put you know, unicorns and fairies in it, which is you know, mixing fantasy and historical fiction together. Is there a place for that, or should authors stick to strictly fantasy or strictly historical fiction? Well, I'm, I'm going to turn that question on the side for a second and approach it from a different perspective. I would be very comfortable as a publisher looking at that, provided the author, in addition to sending me this material hey, what do you think of this material? Will you publish this material? To say, I already know it's good because here's my, my target uh, customer. Here's who's going to be reading it. It's a, it's a male uh, between uh, 17 and, and 24 or a, or a girl from 13 to 25. And here's the magazines that I'm going to advertise in. And here's you know uh, how I'm going to reach them. And here's a list of appearances, even locally. Uh, one of the things that I always tell authors is, um, do your local uh, marketing first. Build your local fan base first, then build regionally. Let national and international take care of itself. The way the book buyers look at this play and look at this industry as a whole is when they see sales start popping up either in a locality or a region, they'll begin to say, hey, let's look at this as, as far as supporting this regional demand or let's try it out in other areas. And that's another reason to go with a, uh, with a publisher that publishes in that genre and has many different authors because, like with Mundania Press, we encourage our authors to cross-promote. So my science fiction authors are going to conventions and going to appearances and not just putting their own book out there, but putting a number of books out there. It shows that they're backed by an organization. It shows that, again, there's some teamwork and camaraderie there. And it also shows for the sales and marketing perspective um, from, the, from the Barnes and & Nobles and the, the Walden's buyers directly that, hey, these sales are popping up all over. Maybe this is a trend. And so we do those kind of things in, in many different ways. So I encourage people that they do have something that's a little bit offbeat or, or they're trying to mix some things. That's fantastic, and I, and I encourage on 110%. But don't forget about that marketing piece because, again, I'm going to respect that creativity and the authors need to respect that business aspect. Okay, that makes perfect sense to me. Um, when they're going to these conventions, well, not even so much these conventions, but what I guess what would you say are the real difficulties that people writing science fiction and fantasy are facing in trying to promote their, their books? Say perhaps not so much at a fantasy or science fiction convention, but getting their books into the bookstores and having those books have to compete with all the you know, the bestsellers, all the romance novels, all the nonfiction books out there? What are the real difficulties that those authors are facing? Sure. I'll answer that in two parts. The first one is, is if you're an author and you're lucky enough to get to a book signing, if you're going to rely on just that book signing and just that bookstore to promote you, 
that's good and everybody else is doing that. But in this business, you're not going to have any scene power for that because, again, this business of writing and getting published, repeating that process and getting that creativity out of you that that is inbred in there to do that is all well and good, but the ultimate prestige and authority in this business is going to be your command of your fans. So get out there and promote that appearance. Create posters if that's what you need to do. If you can bring in more foot traffic for your appearance than that person sitting next to you or those books on the shelf, then you're going to be asked to come back again and again and again. And every time you're there, you can add to that um, fan base of yours. And then the other thing is, is again, build locally and reach regionally. Um, so uh, don't just stand, stop with there. When you build that fan base, then start working on um, you know, getting in there and doing something with it. Go to your local radio station and say, hey, uh, consistently I have you know, this kind of following and I can do this. And if you have, um, you know, if you're selling, um, pick, pick any radio commercial that you hear, if you're selling this, I'm giving you a new audience to hear this because they're going to come and hear me. And, and, again, that's how you're going to create mass appeal that way. Wow, that's a really interesting approach. Thanks for that. I'm thinking even though that you're currently not accepting submissions right now, you probably see a lot of manuscripts every year. And I'm wondering if you could share some specific do's and don'ts that might apply to say, science fiction authors, what they should be aware of when they're crafting their okay. manuscript? Sure. One of the first things I'm going to tell you is uh, read the submissions policy to your publisher. Take the extra time to personalize it. If you go to a company's website and they have just a generic submission, then that's fine to say, hey, dear sir or madam, blah, 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 blah. But follow the submission guidelines. They say don't send a manuscript, don't send a manuscript. If they say, you know, uh, queries accepted, then fine. But also try to find some, some particular names and there's somebody that you can address it to and say, hey, Bob Sanders or Mr. Sanders or, you know, boom, 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 and go along those lines. Um, that is huge, huge things. We have guidelines for very specific reasons, and our guidelines are not the same as, say, another press on, on down the road with that. So hitting the basics is, is actually very, very good. And you'd be surprised how many manuscripts I see that I can look right at them and know in under five seconds, you didn't read my submission guideline. You did not read my website. Um, to, and we have those things set up so that it's easier for us to get your manuscript in, graded, and a response back. For the, for the amount of manuscripts that we receive, sometimes seven, 800 a month when we have our submissions open, very difficult to go through. And again, what am I going to do as a publisher? It gives me fodder to say no rather than yes. And that's not where any author wants to be. They want to hear that yes. Uh, again, if you, if you don't include your business or your marketing plans or your media kit, make sure you mention them if you have them. Uh, make sure you, you demonstrate that you can follow through with them. Uh, and again, it just goes back to, to hitting what I said before about you know, mentioning your marketing. Uh, mention, I know who my target audience is. You'd be surprised how well that's going to speak to things, to, to the people reviewing your work. Um, as far as your story goes, again, I would also include kind of a, an overview of, uh, you know, um, uh, kind of a, a who's who uh, issue and say, hey, this is the main character, um, this is the setting, and that kind of thing, to give, some, to give uh, whoever's reviewing this something to, as a quick snapshot of it. Anything that you can think of to make the person reviewing that job easier, you're going to stand out in the crowd. And then again, 
that's really the, the trick of writing is to speak to an audience in their language. So we expect authors to be able to do that. Right. Uh, you touched on a lot of elements there. If I'm just writing a query letter, what should I put in it to make the killer query letter that's going to you know, make your eyebrows stand up? Okay. Well, the thing, again, from the, telling a good story is paramount. I would also list uh, the organizations that are there. Um, that you may may belong to. Uh Um, That really speaks well because the author that takes the time to be part of those organizations says a lot to me. But especially in science fiction and fantasy, I'm going to want to know about your work um, aside from, hey, it's it's this amount of pages or this amount of words. Draw me in. Um, I love the the query letter that opens up, uh, you know, after the business is done. This is how many words it is, boom, boom, boom. Now let me draw you into my world here, uh, and it, it really creates a, a picture. And the nice thing about doing the work in the query letter like that is that's usually the blurb that can go up on a website. So when it's when it's being reviewed, nine times out of ten, that's what the publisher is looking at is to say, "Wow, this will look great there," or "Wow, this will look good over here." So that's that would be that would be my best suggestion. Yeah, that's that's really great. Thanks for sharing that. Um, we haven't really talked specifically about doing a competitive analysis. I know in nonfiction you're always wanting to to do the research to find out, you know, who's writing in your specific area and what are their demographics. Does that same sort of thing apply to me as an author? Can I, you know, go out there and say that I'm like authors A, B, and C? You can, um, and that that does work. Um, I I would use that. But I would I would be very sparing with that because uh, that can also work against you. I, you know, if I'm going to go out there and say, "Hey, I'm like Piers um, that's great. But we hear that so often, and so often the case is not true. You kind of fall into that area of, well, I don't believe you either. And it's it's sad, it's unfortunate, but it's true. So I would go in and say, well, it's you know, it's in this style, but. Um, this is my world, and this is how it works, and this is, you know, what it is. Or, again, use your creative talent to draw somebody in in a, in a very uh, five, six-sentence uh, way to say, this is the overview, this is the setting, and here's my main character, boom, 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 and give kind of a breakdown with that. And, again, always one of the things that I look for are the, are the uh, letters and the manuscripts that can say more information is, is available upon request. So it, it, it does become a, a balancing act on how much is too much. And, again, that's where the submissions uh, guidelines are going to be key on that. If they say send a manuscript, uh, one of the things that we like, we like to see manuscripts because we actually encourage uh, the editors to, to say, okay, we want you to, to read the first three chapters of it. And I've had, you know, the things that really stand out in my mind are the editors that come back and go, I couldn't put it down. This is great stuff. And this is from the editors, again, how our process works is we have the editors who that's not their specialized genre as well as those editors that that is their specialized genre. And when we get the, the queries back and, and we actually ask them to fill out a questionnaire, it's about 20 questions, it's not yes or no, it's kind of like talk to me about this or tell me about this or why did you like this or how far along did you get. And that really that really stands out with that. Well, that, that sounds really impressive to me, Bob. Um, lots of writers, they probably expect just to get back a form letter you know they're hoping somebody at least actually read their work um, mm-hmm. how how many people actually do read the the query letter or the chapters before it a decision well 
for every submission that we come in, uh, again, uh, we have somebody that, that goes through it and assigns it, and that's usually uh, my partner Dan Ritz or myself, and we assign it to, to two editors, and they review it. Uh, they fill out a questionnaire, and then they get back with us. I would say 90% of the material sent to us goes through that process. There are some that we just reject out of hand, not because of the, the story, but because they didn't follow our submission guidelines. And it's just too difficult to try to make their manuscript or make their material fit our guidelines. We, with the number of submissions we get and the staff that we have, we just have to make those, those kind of calls. So we want to caution authors that, you know, standing out in a crowd is good and we encourage that, but when there's clear guidelines, you be sure you follow those. Um, I'm a little bit curious about do you request that authors also send in synopses of the book? And if so, especially with, um, you know, science fiction and fantasy where they're heavily dependent a lot of time on a lot of action in the book, how does an author go about writing a good synopsis without it sounding kind of like plot gibberish? Right. Well, again, that's, that's going to test their writing skill, and they need to do that for the blurbs in the book anyway. You know, you go to a bookstore and you turn a book over, you'll usually see a blurb or inside the flap on a hardcover, you see the blurb. Practice doing that. Um, and also, you know, you're not in a vacuum with this. Um, go to a bookstore and actually look to see how it's done. That really is going to say a lot. So, yeah, I encourage synopsis. Um, when it's heavily action-oriented, talk about the conflict. That's really, you know, the, the action is the payoff of that conflict. But as an author, I expect you to create that conflict and hold it. And it's kind of like an opera singer. When people go to the opera and they see a sing, you know, they, they listen for the singer, they're wondering how long can she hold that note before she has to terminate it. And, and the best science fiction stories, look at Lord of the Rings. When, when, you, when you go through that, it's a guy taking something from point A to point B, <laughs> but it's how he did it. It's how he maintained that drama. It's that conflict. It's that keeping it fresh, keeping it from different perspectives introducing new elements believably, bringing elements out of that in a plausitive, uh, plausible nature that really creates that. And look how long he maintained that for. Those are the words. Uh, when, you, when you talk about any of your favorite novels, that's what they did. They created conflict in a believable, plausible way and held it, just like, just like that, that note, for as long as they could. And when they terminated it, boom, that was it. And you can do that same thing with a synopsis and put that in there for that and say, this is the, we're boiled it all away, and here's the nuts and bolts of the conflict. And this is why I think it works, and this is who, I, who it appeals to. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, authors, they really need to learn how to sell their book, and they need to learn how to sell it in a, in a sentence or a couple sentences or a paragraph or a page and, and work on just different, different lengths of trying to get the, the reader's attention from that. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to ask you before we go, um, what have you seen changing in the publishing industry just in the short time that Mundania's um, been in business, and where do you think the future lies for science fiction and fantasy books specifically? I know there's lots of websites out there with, um, you know, web magazines printing short stories and novels now, and you know we hear all about e-books and books being able to be read on iPods, so, um, and, it, and it seems that the readers of science fiction and fantasy, maybe I'm generalizing a little bit too much here, but they tend to be younger um, audiences, and so they're much more attuned to the changes in technology. So do you think technology is affecting the publishing industry's future? 
Oh, definitely. I mean, when we came into the business uh, five years ago, e-books were, were just coming out. But, you know, I've always said that you're not going to be able to compare an electronic book to a paperback or a hardcover. I'm not taking my, you know, $500 iPhone out to the beach for the day. Um, I will probably take a paperback. So I don't think it's a fair comparison to say e-book versus paperback. Um, I would like to see more um, advantages in an e-book. And, and I'll give you an example. Let's say I was reading Murder on the Orient Express, and they talk about a meal. Wouldn't it be great to click on something and the recipe for that meal come up? Or wouldn't it be great to say, wow, this is the first book in a series. I'd like to get the others and hit a Buy It Now button, and it automatically downloads to your device. These are the kind of advantages that you just can't have with a paperback book. So I don't think in, in, uh, the progression is going to be paperback or hardbound through an electronic book to supplement that, you know, to, to replace it, but rather accent it. So I'm going to go out and buy a paperback book, but I may also, I mean, for 6 bucks or 7 bucks or whatever, pick up the e-book. And I, I also like the, uh, the way e-books and um, audio books are coming into their own with iTunes and Audible.com. You know, you've got to be able to understand the technology that's out there. I think science fiction fans and science fiction writers are poised to take advantage of that before anyone else. I expect them to be on the on the front uh, bleeding edge of that, if you will, because by their very nature, that's the expectation for them. They have the vision um, to be able to do that. Well, we're almost out of time now, Bob, so I just wanted to um, ask you if you had any last thoughts or any last um, advice that you'd want to give to writers of science fiction and fantasy books before we go. Sure. One of the things that, that, that I usually close with, um, I do a lot of speaking tours on these, on these subjects, so again, thank you very much for having me. I consider it an honor to be able to do this. But one of the things that I encourage authors to do is create a business plan and a marketing plan and a media press kit. And these are things you can research out there and give them out to everybody you can because as you go through this, don't give up on yourself. Create um, kind of a support system in the publishing world as well as in your family environment so that you know when you, when you do get discouraged, you have people that are going to be there for you to say, you can do this. You are talented. Look at this plan you've got. You've got to execute this plan. You keep going with it. And that will make all the difference in the world. Because, again, when you go back and look at um, you know, Ms. Rowling or, or Piers Anthony, they've all faced adversity in their life on getting their work published. And it made all the difference in the world when somebody came up and said, you can do this. So work on doing that now and helping, you know, those people around you. Um, I know authors, by their very nature, tend to, tend to be um, more introspective than extroverts. Um, that's a generalization that doesn't fit for everybody. <laughs> but, you know, to that end, they should go out and share that um, so that when they do get discouraged, they have these people coming up and giving them a pat on the back or giving them that high sign of you. Thank you, Bob. This has been really uh, informative, and I know I'm going to have to re-listen to this to capture everything that you've said. Oh, thank you very much. Okay. You've been listening to another podcast edition of Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. We'll be back on the air Thursday, July 19, 2007, when our topic will be Views from a Top Traditional Publisher, and our guest who will be joining us is Emmy Battaglia. You can learn more about our guests on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. 
Authors Access is a joint production of Reader Views Incorporated and Loving Healing Press. For Reader Views, this is Tyler Tischler in Marquette, Michigan. For Loving Healing Press, this is Victor Volkman in Ann Arbor, Michigan, wishing you all a good evening.